Right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day, and with Bet365's Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, numbers of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to Why Always Us, the Athletics Manchester City podcast. City are safely through to the FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley, but this week they lost their Premier League crown to Liverpool. We've known for a while that it was going to happen, but now it's been confirmed. We're going to talk today about how City can get that title back for next season. I'm David Mooney. Joining me is Sam Lee. Hello. I'm Jack Pitbrook. Hi. And Premier League football is back underway and right now we're offering a 30-day free trial to The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up and enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the Premier League reaches its conclusion. Now, gents, today we're going to talk about uh, how on earth City can close the gap to Liverpool. And I suppose my, my first question, um, I'm going to put this to you, Sam, because I want to know if City are really as far behind Liverpool as the table suggests they are. It's such a big question. Uh no in in terms no i don't think so in terms of the the squads and the the quality and the potential and all of that they're very similar and there's look I'm, i can't say and i wouldn't be able to say that city are still better than liverpool because clearly they're not but they've they've certainly got the potential even with the squad as it is now to be better than liverpool there's just a few little you know breakdowns throughout the season tactical or otherwise that have you know kind of snowballed and added up to this big points gap, which we're now talking about. And it does look dramatic, but as we saw with the Newcastle win, still in the FA Cup, obviously still in the Champions League, still second in the table. And that points gap is partly because of City's issues and partly because Liverpool have basically had no issues in terms of they've been really good, not because they've been lucky, because they've been really good. So it's a it's a really, really interesting one. And where they go from here, why this podcast is interesting, I think it'll be useful for me, is because <laughs> we can actually talk through some ideas. Because I've always kind of assumed, you know, City can just make a couple of signings and they'll be all good again next season. But I've seen the point made on Twitter that it's not quite so easy and they're, you know, they're facing a decisive summer or two summers. And yeah, I'm looking forward to working this out over the next 40-odd minutes. Well, Jack, just, just looking at the numbers, uh, for instance, City have scored more than Liverpool. Um, they have let in more than Liverpool, but it's it's not a dramatically bad amount more. Um, but yet they still find themselves, what, 26 points behind? It's it, That gap is, is huge. Why has it got that big? Yeah, you're right. It's a huge gap. Um, well, I think a lot of it comes down to motivation and hunger, to be honest. You know, City have obviously won the Premier League twice in a row. Uh, I think anyone who's watched City play this year can tell they're not playing with the same intensity. Whereas Liverpool, having been the best runners-up in history last year, have been absolutely desperate to get it. And it's so I think a lot. I think a lot of it comes down to mental approach. A bit of it, I think, comes down to finishing. Like we know that on XG, City are City of over. You know, City are underperforming relative to their XG. Liverpool are overperforming relative to their XG. 
Uh, and then I suppose gaps in the squad, you know, the, the failure to recruit another centre-back has been something which has haunted City all season. So I think there are still a few reasons to believe that next year things will revert to the mean a bit. Like I would expect City, next year I would expect City to be at least, you know, 10, 15 points better off the bat. And I would expect Liverpool to be, you know, to revert to the mean as well. So I think it will be much closer next year. I don't think I don't think City are permanently you know, 23-plus points worse than Liverpool for the, for next season as well. well. I suppose, I mean, looking at that, Sam, there is something in that because with expected goals comes expected points as well. And and City's expected points for this season is 69. They're, they're, they're six points behind that. Liverpool's is 64. So they're, they're, they're what, 22 points ahead of that? Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like Liverpool, they've been doing this for... Would it be a couple of years or even just last season? But it's not. I don't know if it's some kind of freak or if just these models just aren't just aren't capable enough of of working out. Not just well, not just what Liverpool do, but general. Just generally, maybe it's not this all round model that we should be going by because I don't think Liverpool are. I don't know performing that much above it, and they're they're going to regress to any kind of mean. They're. There have been times this season where you just, and even last season as well, you know, goalkeepers chucking in their own net, and the Dean, the Dean Henderson won at Sheffield United. There are there are a fair few times the, the mix up before they got the late penalty against Leicester at Anfield back ages ago. You just think, how has how has this kept happening? But in terms of outperforming expected goals and all this kind of stuff, they do keep doing it, and they do have a lot of chances, and they generally generally don't give the opposition too many either. So I'm I'm not sure if it's like we should be thinking, oh well, Liverpool are going to come in closer to the pack next season because I'm not sure that's that's generally the case. And like for City to come in closer to the pack, obviously they were kind of performing on trend last season, I think, and the season before. But it's not that like any kind of I don't know stats have evened out or whatever. It, they've just had issues. So I, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if we should be clinging to statistical models to to try and work out what's going to happen next season. Because I, I, I kind of thought that this time a year ago, thinking maybe Liverpool have outperformed it too much and, you know, maybe they won't out, be able to do it again. But I think we can kind of put that behind us now. I think they is, are capable of doing it. Is there anything what Jack says about uh, about that potential mental burnout, though? Yeah, of course there is, always. Um, and it's like it's funny now because um, I'm... I'm I'm hoping for the rest of my career, at no point when the team I'm covering wins the league, am I going to start talking about a dynasty straight away? Because <laughs> it's it's just it's just the default question now. It's the default narrative when a team wins the league, and also it kind of leads it kind of leads to like a feeling of unfulfillment, and then also like in media circles as well. If if Liverpool don't win the title next year and don't win the Champions League next year. There'll be a bit of a feeling around of oh well you know maybe maybe they, they could have built a dynasty there and I say that because I think it's happening with Pep and City because they obviously did the hundred points and everyone was like oh well you got to defend the title to be a great team and they defended it in such amazing circumstances and all the other trophies as well but then they haven't won it this year and it's a bit like oh well that hasn't really worked does it and it's like what like they've had two of the best seasons <laughs> in, in the Premier League ever oh, stop stop talking about dynasties I know it's difficult because we everyone's grown up with Ferguson but. It's just very unlikely that that's going to happen again. It just doesn't exist that anymore, no. No, exactly. And yeah, and, and and sorry, in terms of like the mental burnout or whatever, it's just it's just things are different. You you need to you need to refresh the squad. I always use Pochettino as the example, and I know I know the Spurs lads have this week as well. You know, if you look at the backing Klopp got and the 
back in Pochettino didn't get. That's a lot of the difference. Pochettino needed to keep that squad fresh. And in the end, he didn't. And he ended up having to go halfway through the season. That's not happened with City. But you need, they're at a stage now, which I've been saying for about seven or eight months now, they need to just get a few players in just because they need to keep things fresh. And that's actually something Dominic Torrent was was saying in the, my interview with him a few weeks ago. That's It's just normal. And it's going to happen to Liverpool the same as it happens to anyone else because that's just how football works. Well, let's let's talk about actually City on the pitch and how we see them play. Jack, you mentioned about uh, a, an almost like a lack of intensity this season for for, for City. Um, is is that it for why they don't look like they used to, or is there is there kind of deeper underlying problems with the style of play? Yeah, I think it isn't. I think it is probably lack of intensity. I think the results, particularly against against the big teams, have not been as good this year. I think I don't know whether that's because City are can't overwhelm other sides in the same way that they used to or maybe it's to do with David Silver's you know not not having the same intensity off the ball as he used to have uh, I think has probably been part of it as well um, I think it's a I think it's, I mean to be honest you know Sam watches more of City than I do at the moment so he he would probably know better than me but you can definitely see they don't really have that same kind of drive they had in the first years of Guardiola they can't really press in the same way I imagine that is ultimately both physical as well as mental uh, and I think that goes a very long way to explaining why they haven't been the same force this year as they have been in the last two seasons. I suppose the answer is for for Guardiola, though, Jack, to 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 come back and to to kind of put his own like answer those questions, if that makes sense, because it's it, it's his job to get the best out of the tools that he's got available. Yeah, yeah, and it will be. Really, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how City respond next year. Uh, Especially given that it's what the last season of Guardiola's contract, I believe. So, but I, I kind of feel like this season, both in terms of City's, you know, City's obvious underperformance in the Premier League in the first half of the season, and then this completely unprecedented fifteen-week coronavirus stoppage. I I hope that th- this will act as a kind of reset for City, which means that next year the players will be able to return with the same hunger. Hopefully, you know, maybe with a few new faces as well in the transfer market, depending on how things pan out. Um, but allowing City to kind of go again next year and try and win that title back because, you know, generally, uh, you know, because we, we haven't really seen Guardiola do this before in the sense that at Barcelona he did four seasons. I think what well, he won three titles, then lost it to Real Madrid and quit. At Bayern Munich he did three seasons, won three titles, then quit. So we've never seen Guardiola try and relaunch himself in the way that he's going to try and do it at City next year. Uh, I imagine that the appointment of Juan Malilo will be part, part of that process as well, trying to get a bit of freshness around the place. Um, I do think they will have to invest in, you know, I think maybe two new players. But you know, I think everybody is fascinated to see really when, you know, what sort of a Manchester City emerges next season with a bit more energy and a bit more drive that is kind of reminiscent of the team that won those two consecutive Premier League titles. Sam, what does what does your gut say in terms of uh, of how they will play in the kind of for the remainder of this season and for for next season? Just on on the back of of that idea that maybe that their style of play hasn't quite suited the players that they've got this season. Uh, no, I think it it does suit them because um, they, they just, just they miss so many chances though. That's the thing. Yeah, but I don't know if that's a style of play thing because if they had a different style of play, they probably wouldn't get as many chances. Um, I think there's an issue. I think we talked about this before. Um, when, you know, the Guardiola system is everything. You know, City's leadership comes from the system and it comes from the players understanding it and that's why they're so good and that's why they've been able to take the Premier League to kind of new heights recently. But I do think when little elements of it aren't working, you know, when it's malfunctioning in a way, 
the players who have previously been very good and they've expected they've they've performed above themselves because of this system and it gets the best out of them. I feel like it can go the other way, and you've got great players who aren't performing because the system isn't working. I think we've seen that a lot this season. I'm more interested in in just what it's, what they have to do. You know what? How we can't really work out how far they are away from Liverpool or what's going to happen next season. But just what's going to happen this summer and what City do and where they're at is really interesting. I I know Jack said I watch more City than him, but it'd be interesting to see what you've got to say about this because it feels like you've got a fresher perspective, a bit more a bit more of like a bird's eye view of it. And I, I just really can't work out how how good or bad a situation City are in. On one hand, I think they'll be absolutely fine next season. On the other hand, I think it could be an absolute worst-case scenario coming up over the next couple of months. Mm, I wouldn't be... I don't think I'd be pessimistic about City for next season. Like they've still got, you know, they've still got a fantastic squad. They're not a very old team. Like I know De Bruyne is what now, uh, twenty nine. I think he turned twenty nine yesterday. Yeah. But the only City's own, the only first team play, first choice players who'd say are past their peak are well, arguably Aguero, but he's still fantastic, and maybe Fernandinho, but he's still playing really well. I don't think it's like an aging team. Um, you know, Kyle Walker is 30. You think maybe he hasn't got that much longer left with that same pace. But there's enough young players. Like, Bernardo is young. Uh, who else is young? <laughs> Sterling is still... <laughs> Sterling is pretty young for what he does. Foden's Phil Foden there Foden's yeah. obviously very young. Edison is not old for a goalkeeper. Laporte's not old for a centre-back. Um, Mendy, obviously, you know, it's like question marks over him, but he's a talent. So I think there's a lot of, um, you know, it's not, it's, I don't think it's an old team. They've still got a brilliant manager uh, who I think should, you know, I think should be able to conjure next season some of the same intensity and commitment he got out of them in the last two seasons. Although, you know, it remains to be seen because we just don't know. Like we've never, like Guardiola has never managed a team for five seasons before. So it's not, it's not ducking the question to say we have no idea how that's going to go. Um but I would I would anticipate that you know I would hope that this season represents a kind of break, you know, a kind of chance for a bit of a bit of freshness to come back, and I imagine that next year City will be strong again. Um, I guess the big question mark really over them is, Cass, are they going to get a Champions League ban? How will the Champions League ban affect the, if it's held up? How will it affect their Premier League form? How will it affect the players? Will any of the players want to go? Will it affect City's ability to buy players? Um, and, you know, it's the ways in which the, the cast decision will influence the playing squad and the makeup of the squad for next season. But in a football sense, I don't feel any reason to be especially pessimistic about City next season. I, I think I think I'd give City a pretty good chance of winning the league back next year, to be honest. But, the, but this is pretty much my dilemma in terms of the football side of things. And I've seen people make the point, oh, Fernandinho's old, Aguero's old, they need to replace him. OK, but... I think they're still good enough to contribute next season, and I think in the transfer market they'll they'll be fine. But yeah, it is that casting, but it's not it's not just that. So you've got the, the prospect of it being Guardiola's potentially final season. And somebody asked me on my Q and A after the game on Sunday how how that works. You know what what would they do if if everyone at the club, for argument's sake, knows that Guardiola is going to go? At what point do they announce it? Do they let the uncertainty drag on? And fine, it might just be uncertainty outside the club and it might just be media and Twitter stuff of all of us going, oh, well, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And it might be that question every week. But that kind of did come to a head under Pellegrini and you wonder if they'd want to avoid that. But then at what point do they say, oh, yeah, this is going to be Pep's final season? And then you could easily say, oh, they shouldn't have done that at the end of the season in hindsight and all of this. 
So that's an interesting one. And then, yeah, with Cass, obviously, they might be without the Champions League and everything you say. But if they get a Premier League points deduction next season, and it's Guardiola's last season, like what an ignominious way to go after. <laughs> after. Like, it I, I, almost I, feels like, what's the point? Yeah, it, it kind of makes you think for Guardiola as well. Like, I, I'm sure he would stay and do it. And I mean, in a, in a perverse way, it might make him think, well, we'll just get through this points deduction season and no Champions League. And next season, we'll, we'll have a proper go at it again. So I do think they can be quality again next season. But if they've got not just one hand, but two hands tied behind their back, it's like, like Dave says, it's a bit like, what is what is the point? But I suppose, as I've seen loads of City fans say, at the prospect of being banned, a lot of people aren't that asked in the sense that they've been City fans forever. And it's like, well, we've had loads of challenges in the past. And we know if it means we bring young players through, et cetera, et cetera, then it's fine. So I don't feel too bad talking about it. This is it from my point of view. I mean, if, if, if for next season City are, are not in Europe, uh, and it's if, even if it's one year or two years, as a fan, I mean, I'm... I'm not really that bothered. I still follow, like I, I don't I, I don't follow the club to know about the spreadsheets and know about what money they've spent and what they shouldn't have spent. I follow the club because I like watching the team and enjoy the team. I enjoyed watching the team when it was rubbish. So yeah. it's not gonna it doesn't make it doesn't change things for me on that front. So like th- there is that interesting paradox for for potentially next season that that sort of uh, that feeling of what's the point, but also I want to go to the game and want to enjoy the game and and, and see what's going on. I mean, Sam, just looking at all of this, how much has off the field stuff kind of hindered City in their in their chase of Liverpool this season? I don't think I don't think majorly. Um, it's just been confidence and morale. So they were after Guardiola was livid after that Spurs game, that two two draw for the VAR thing. I'm like, really pissed off like all week. Um, the players were kind of like, and all the staff were just like, it's not necessarily a legitimate complaint because it's just how the rules changed. But at the same time, you can see how they feel hard done by because they went out of the Champions League in those awful circumstances against Spurs. And obviously the Lorente goal was with his arm, which now this wouldn't <laughs> be a goal. And then all of a sudden they changed the rules. City score a goal, which is arguably from an arm. And they're like, and they've been penalised for that. So they were kind of like, well, fucking, we can't win. So they're pissed off about that. But then... Then it's just the injuries, and you know, obviously Laporte got injured early on. Um, and Guardiola, I don't think Guardiola wanted to use Stones not to mend too much, um, but I think he obviously gave them a chance at Norwich, and and that, that didn't work we, at we all. Saw what yeah. We saw what happened there. To be fair, I don't think Stones was that bad that game, but we saw what happened with that, and it, it, it just kind of spiraled really because they were they were looking around for answers as why they're so far behind or why they're not getting the results as much as we were, and there wasn't, as far as I'm concerned, or it isn't any kind of split behind the scenes. Because you know normally when title defences fall apart, normally the managers ended up being sacked. I don't think that's going to happen with Guardiola. But you look at it and think, it's not like anyone's had a major fallout behind the scenes. Obviously, Sane didn't want to stay, but he was, wasn't was really around anyway for much of it. Um, it was just purely on the pitch. And it just led to morale being sapped. So you got that Norwich game where they, you know, they didn't play well and they deserved to lose. But also, if they had have nicked a point, it would have been fair enough, the amount of chances they created. And then the Wolves game, you know, De Bruyne didn't play there. And then all of a sudden, they were just looking around at each other going, what's going on? And then the Bernardo Silva thing, they thought they were hard done by about the Bernardo Silva tweet to Mendy. They thought that was a bit of a, a jumping on the bandwagon and a bit of a crusade against them. I, again, I don't really, um, I don't agree with that at all, basically. I think they handled it badly. But again, within the dressing room, they felt that that was another thing. And they, it just kind of felt like the world was on top of them. And then all of a sudden, they go to Anfield, they're eight points behind. Um, Edison had got injured, of course, in, in midweek. 
I think Rodri was kind of just about just about fit for that. I think he nearly missed the game. And then all of a sudden they lose that. And then it's like, well, what, what's going on? That Burnley game, do you remember when they went to Burnley just in December, just after they lost, sorry, they drew at Newcastle, when De Bruyne scored that amazing goal and then they undid all that hard work again. And they just felt again, what honestly, what is going on here? Because the title's gone, clearly. And we don't know what's going on. We don't know like, what, why are we, you know, why are we having these issues? And then they went to Burnley and they battered them. And that's why they celebrated so much in the dressing room afterwards, because it was like a relief that they're still this great team. But obviously by that point, they went and lost again to United the weekend after. And then it was like, okay, it's, it's gone now. And all that, it's just the confidence in the team and the mentality in the team it just, just goes by Christmas. And that's why the gaps got bigger and bigger into the new year. I suppose the question then for next season, Jack, would be like more, more, more than anything. How do you make City respond to setbacks next season? Yeah, I think they need to they need to get back some of that hunger and intensity they obviously had over the last two years. I don't think we should be surprised that 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 hunger and intensity has fallen away this year because you know if you remember previous, you know, we all know from following City that they usually respond. They usually follow a good season with a bad season. You know, 2012-13, uh, they were terrible and they got Mancini sacked in that, that title defence. And then 2014-15, yeah. 14-15 under Pellegrini, they were terrible as well. Pellegrini actually didn't get sacked that year. but Could, he, know, could they, easily have done though, couldn't he? Yeah, and they were never as good again under Pellegrini as they were in his first season when they won the title. So the fact that Guardiola actually managed to get City to win the league twice in a row... I think is you know testament to his own success, uh, and there was based almost almost basically no drop off between City's performances across those two seasons. Um, I hope that you know the embarrassment of being twenty plus points behind Liverpool. I imagine that gap will probably get bigger over the next. Actually, maybe not, but you know twenty plus points behind Liverpool uh, will spark City into some kind of improvement next year and hunger to win that title back because. I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes people think it's a bit basic to try and like explain what happens in football through motivation, hunger, and desire. But I think in this case that is relevant. I think City just haven't had that same hunger this year, having won it twice in a row. And I hope that next year they rediscover that some of that hunger. But I'm sure they will do because you know they see themselves as the best team in the world, and they won't want you know they'll be desperate for Liverpool not to do what they did, which is to win back to back titles. So of course it'll be a massive ego thing for them. Harry's sponsors Why Always Us, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to Harry's com forward slash why always us right now that's harrys.com forward slash why always us one area they can improve uh, would be in the transfer market jack how, do, how first off how do you think city did last summer is that part of the problem uh, angelino five and a half million rodri 62 uh, and a bit million uh, jao cancelo 60 million including danilo the other way well i think you have to also you have to also factor into this the, the company failure which I think has been a massive failure. Like the the fact that the fact they didn't buy a backup centre back last year has been a disaster because, of course, it meant they were you know they were uh, they were at risk of Laporte getting injured, which of course did happen, and then they had to put Fernandinho back into centre back, and then the whole team you know 
so that that was a, a colossal failure of planning, and it's cost City desperately. Uh, on an individual basis, uh, I think Rodri's really good. Like I think anybody who watches him can tell that uh, he's getting closer and closer to, you know, adapting himself to English football. He's big. He's strong. He's very good on the ball. He's got a great touch. He reads the game well. Uh, I think you know. I think next season he'll be terrific all season. Um, Cancelo, he's obviously quite good, but I don't think he's anywhere near the first team. Uh, Walker is obviously by miles still first choice right back. Left back, I still think City don't really have any good options. Or rather, I don't think Mendy or Zinchenko or Cancelo are particularly satisfactory. Um, so no, not like a vintage summer. Uh, and I don't think they. I don't. I don't think the squad actually massively improved over the course of of the window. Um, so yeah, you know, cast permitting, lots more work left to be done this summer. I think in the market. I was going to say, Sam, it, it, it all hinges on whether City are in the Champions League. I suppose next season to depend on who their targets might be. Does it? No, I don't know. I mean, what I've heard, and I'm kind of piecing a bit more together now. But what I'd heard, one of the earliest things I'd heard was they were confident they could sign their targets, so they've already identified them. Um, regardless of what happens at Cass. Um, I think now maybe where that hinges on what happens at Cass is the approaches to the clubs, perhaps. So with Koulibaly, as far as, so as far as I know, City want one, in terms of the, the, the centre-backs for now, they want one like top-class centre-back and Koulibaly is definitely an option for that. And they've spoken to him, knowing City probably agreed a fee with him. Sorry, agreed terms with him. But again, as far as I know, not spoken to Napoli yet. And as David Ornstein said this morning, um, Nathan Ake is kind of in the conversation as well. And now, as far as I know, that would be so they've got one priority defender, and what they want to do is get like a stone cold top class player, bring him in, play him every week. You're not going to get past him. He's going to be great. The second centre back would be a lower profile, a bit cheaper, not as internationally renowned but certainly capable of coming in, good defender, good on the ball, maybe versatile. I would guess homegrown, um, either English or homegrown. And obviously David mentions Nathan Ake, so I think he fits that profile as well. Um, so that that's interesting, the way that they're looking at strengthening the centre-backs there. And I mean, that kind of suggests to me that um, if they do go ahead with that, and I, I've been told that that second profile of defender does kind of rest on Cass and other things including players leaving. So if Otamendi and Stones go or they can they can sell them, then next season the, the centre-backs might look something like Koulibaly, Laporte, Eric Garcia, and then you know, maybe Nathan Ake or you know somebody that profile, you know, the Mason Holgate kind of profile. I know he signed a new contract recently, but that kind of defender, basically the new Stones, because the old Stones may well be deemed not good enough. Um, but no, apparently like the thing I've been told straight away, I think this is coming out of a few places as well, is... They, they do think that they can get whoever they want, regardless of what happens to Cass, which is very interesting. Well, I mean, it, if business is harder to do as well in, in, in light of the pandemic, Jack, um, is, is there a case of, of kind of maybe City having to think on the feet this summer? Well, yeah, I mean, the problem is that they, you know, they want top players. If your goal is to win and back the Premier League title, then there's only a very small number of players who can necessarily help you to do that. Um, so they can't, you know... I'd be surprised they're going to be too imaginative. Um, but equally, they've, somehow they've got to find... I think centre-back is the only one they really have to do. I think everything else... I mean, I think they have enough They have enough midfielders and they have enough front-line players. They could probably do with the left-back as well, as Sam says. 
Um, but yeah, we just like, you know, until CAS makes its decision public and we know what city's capacity is going to be in the transfer market and which players they can keep hold of and all the rest of it, it's, it is just all up in the air. But I'm sure that Cheeky and his team will have, you know, plans for all the different set of possible outcomes. There'll be, there'll be fans listening to this as well. I mean, the, the, we're at that time of the season now where with the title done and dusted and City, you know, still a couple of competitions to fight for, but the league campaign is over. A lot of fans are now talking about, you know, who stays as well as as well as who comes in. Are there a lot of players at risk, do you think, Sam? Oh, a lot. Let me think. So Stones and Otamendi, I'd, I'd imagine one of the left-backs. So I do think they want a left-back as well. Um, I mean, which one you would say out of Zinchenko and and Mendy? I, I really don't know. I think I think they're going to need. Could it even be a case of which one they could get more year. money for though? Yeah, exactly. And people have asked about Zinchenko, and I I always think it would make sense to keep him because he is he is a good left back. He's a good option at left back in terms of as well in those games where they want an extra man in the middle, which they might need without David Silva, they're going to need more men in the middle to replace what he brings. And I wrote an article about that on Saturday, which I feel like we could talk for another 20 minutes about. But if you haven't seen it yet, just go and check out that article on my Twitter or on the Athletic app. Because um, they're going to need to replace David Silva in terms of the type of player he is, because there's only Gundogan who can do it. And Gundogan's more as a number six now. So don't be expecting Bernardo and Foden to play too much as a number eight, unless they start bringing other people into the middle. Um, so Zinchenko could be good for that. But in terms of the players City could feasibly let go and get a fee for. Now, Zinchenko's been linked to Napoli in the past as well. Maybe that could be part of it. Maybe he maybe he goes as part of Koulibaly. But I, I mean, generally, I think it would make sense to keep him, but it would also, also make sense if they could get 15, 20 million for him. Um, yeah, I think they'll get a left-back. So one of those two left-backs could be gone. And I do think they need a left-back who can provide a lot of width and get up and down. So Mendy for kind of his ups and downs. And generally, he's been a bit more solid than normal recently, but... Not so much against um, Chelsea, obviously. But then, who, I mean, who else? Uh, like Gabriel Jesus, I've always, I've always kind of been in a difficult position here because it's generally been me who's been saying City are considering selling him, but also me saying it would make no sense. And I think it would make even less sense now. I know he's not started the this new part of the season particularly well, but he's very good. And if you're selling him, then you're going to want to get loads of money for him. Yeah, on, on attacking players, though, is it, is it not going to be the case of if they sell them, they will need to be replaced? So it's like one out, one in. It's like a nightclub. Yes. The, the, yeah. Associate distance nightclub. <laughs> that was the thing with Jesus. They would always want to get like 100-odd million euros for him, which when, yeah, that was last summer and the summer before, it was just never really going to happen. And also they would have needed to get somebody in who's more of a safer bet than Jesus. And yeah, Jesus maybe doesn't quite have that killer instinct that Aguero has, but I don't know. With Aguero so close to leaving, even if you did bring in another striker, and I have heard that's one of the areas they're looking at. I've no idea how possible it is. But if you're bringing in another striker, you would surely bring in somebody else and you would have next season, potentially. Not next season, the one after, sorry. You'd just have Jesus and the new striker after that, depending on who it is. So... Yeah, and we're talking about players leaving here. There's there's no one else, really. Obviously, the contract's up, so David Silva's going to go. He's going to need replacing. And the interesting thing about this article on Saturday is I'm convinced now that finding a replacement for David Silva in terms of priorities is as important as a centre-back because of how important he is to how they play and how they control games and how he uses the ball. And like I say, Gundogan's the only person in the squad who can really do it, but I still don't think he's quite as effective as David Silva in that advanced position. I don't think they're going to buy anyone who's a replacement for him, but if they did, I think it would be a good idea. But obviously, yeah, they've got the centre-back issues as well. But 
Yeah, so Stones, Otamendi, one of the left-backs, David Silver, obviously. Bravo, probably, although I think it would make sense to offer him a new contract just to keep things stable. Um, people might find that ironic. And then, yeah, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't see Gabriel Jesus carry And obviously Sane. And then I think if they were to sell Sane, then uh, you just surely try and get one of the Bayern players. I, again, David Ornstein mentioned in his column today, David Alaba could be one of those. Thiago seems to want to leave. And if you're talking about a replacement for David Silver, I know, I know he does play deeper, but... If you're talking about people who can control games and use the ball in a way similar to David Silver, then it'd be worth there, having a go with Thiago yeah. as well. Yeah. I'd love to see Thiago at City. I think Thiago yeah, is one of my favourite players in the world. He's an absolutely astonishing player. He's so, in terms of, I can't really think of anyone else like him in terms of his ability, like passing, touch, ability to run with the ball, get past opponents. Because uh, even David Silver, as good as he is, doesn't have that kind of like dribbling capacity in the same quite the same way. He's he is an absolutely unique footballer. Uh, I love watching him. And it sounds, I mean, like, look, I'm not massively on top of this, but I, it sounds as if he might be leaving Bayern. And I know that City and Liverpool have both been linked. Uh, and yeah, I would, I, you know, look, I'd love to see him in the Premier League, but I would desperately love to see him at City. And of course, we know what, what a massive fan of him uh, Pep is, because of course, Pep signed him for Bayern from Barca when he took over, didn't he, back in 2013? Well, I was going to say on the kind of final question then, Jack, um, will City spend big if it is to be Guardiola's final season? If Guardiola said at the start, this is it, I'm I'm seeing my last year of my contract out, but that's it, I'm I, I'm, I'm going at the end of the season. Will they spend big to give him that last hurrah or will they, will they save it for whoever comes in after? Well, if they can square it with UEFA, I'm sure, they'd, I'm sure they would spend big just because, you know, they, they would be desperate to win back the Premier League title. They wouldn't want to go... I feel like, to an extent, Guardiola's legacy is still on the line a bit. Like, uh, I know he's won two Premier League titles with you know what currently are two record Premier League uh, points totals. Although, of course, Liverpool are about to break that. But if next year is his last year, he won't want to leave having only won two league titles and potentially zero Champions Leagues. So City don't win it this year, and then get the, then the ban is upheld. So, I think you know, given how much City have invested in Pep, I'm sure they will want Pep to go out on a high. And to have the best possible farewell, and to, and to feel as if it was all worthwhile, um, and you know that means they have to give themselves the best possible chance of winning back the title next year, so they can claim to be the greatest team of this era rather than Liverpool. Because uh, you know, if Liverpool win the title next year, then people will say, "Ah, oh, you know, City were good, but Liverpool knocked them off their perch," and City will be desperate for that not to happen. Um, so yeah, I think I think City I think City will push the boat out this year. Yeah, and also just the other the other side of that story is. They've got a sporting director, you know. So this this project, the whole the whole idea should be whoever they sign for Pep, they should be able to fit into the the plans of the next manager as well. So if they wanted to spend seventy odd million on Koulibaly, who's twenty nine, which you would instinctively think a bit weird, um, but if they're thinking, well, that's a ready made guy, you would think that they're also planning for at least you know to get two or three good years out of him and you know two or three good years might be the difference between them winning or not winning the premier league in the next two or three years if they're looking back at van dyke you know signing laporte instead wasn't a mistake on their part but if you hadn't gone to liverpool then they wouldn't have this problem this season um and they probably wouldn't have won the champions league either so there yeah there's that element of it there is they will be planning for life after pep as well but even if for argument's sake if cheeky was to leave with pep even if he's thinking selfishly, then he's going to think, well, I want to go out on a bang as well. So, yeah, we will spend the money. So, I, as long as, like Jack said right at the start, if they if they can spend that money, if there's a way to, that they can legally do it, 
they absolutely will. It's not going to be like, oh, let's let's wait and see what the new guy thinks. They're going to go out with a bang, even if it's just Pep going, even if it's none of them going, even if it's all of them. Right, well, uh, reputation's on the line then now, guys. One word answer. Will City get the title back next season? Yes or no, Jack? Yes. Sam? Short answer, yes. Long answer, no, because I think they might get a point deduction. Fair enough. I'll, I'll allow it on this occasion, but uh, even though I did say one word. Uh, that's <laughs> it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that. And Jack Pitbrook. Thanks a lot. I'm David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic with a free 30-day trial now with the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.